Hi everybody, I'm Brent Stafford and welcome to another edition of Reg Watch on GFN.TV. We're here in Warsaw, Poland for the Global Forum on Nicotine, the annual conference promoting safer nicotine products and tobacco harm reduction. And I'm here with Dr. Colin Mendelson from Australia. How's it going? Thank you, Brent. It's good to have you back on the show. So let's start, tell us a little bit about your battle for THR in uh, Australia. Look, I've been working with smokers for nearly 40 years and it's been a very frustrating area. I'm supposed to be an expert on smoking and even for me the success rates have been very low and I'm also very aware of the huge harm smoking has caused my patients. I've seen people die from lung cancer, heart disease, people who've tried to quit. I became passionate about vaping back in 2014 when I saw people quitting who otherwise hadn't been able to with vaping, who tried all the best treatments available. I went to the UK that year and met with uh, Clive Bates, Martin Dockerell, uh, Peter Hayek, and they confirmed my impressions and I followed the literature very closely ever since. And you know, the evidence is growing stronger and stronger that vaping is not completely safe, but far safer than smoking and an effective quitting aid. And I found in my own practice that it's saved many thousands of people who were otherwise unable to quit and uh, I'm incredibly frustrated that the government is not seeing that evidence. Uh, the research evidence is now stronger and stronger and it's being resisted, uh, which from a public health point of view is I, I think untenable. Now I mean it, it's a good word I believe in this context is you're a bit of a crusader. I mean you, you are out there, you've put your reputation on the line. Mm for this issue. You said that you're considered an expert. Mm. Has that consideration been hurt because of your support for vaping? I've been attacked regularly for my uh, position on vaping. Uh, I've often been told that I'm uh, paid by Big Tobacco for everything I say. So on national radio several years ago, one of Australia's richest men said, Oh, that Colin Mendelson, he should declare his tobacco funding. Every time he speaks, they pay him. We got a correction for that. Uh, recently, there was a television program which made it very clear that they thought I was funded by Big Tobacco and I was, I was uh, defending them because of a financial consideration. Um, there have been lots of stories. So yes, I'm very aware of that, and that's, that's irritating. Uh, in terms of being a crusader, um, I know I'm on the right side of history, so I, I, you know, these insults don't bother me because I know we'll be proven right. And I think, I think the more important issue is I'm in this to save lives. I mean, this from a public health point of view. So I think vaping will prevent cancer, heart disease, lung disease, and as a doctor, that's that's my priority. And yes, uh, I'm insulted and attacked regularly. You know, normally that would bother me. I'm at that stage in my career where it doesn't so much. Uh, I don't like it, but I'd rather, I'd rather persevere with what, I'm, with what I'm doing. It's maddening, or it must, you must feel like it's mm. maddening. Yes. Well, what I'm frustrated with, Brett, is that as a scientist, uh, there is a scientific method. You know, we look at the evidence, we discuss it, uh, and we come to conclusions that we act on. In this area, we, we have, our health minister and his advisors in a bubble who are 
of looking at the evidence that they think is, um, is, is, is right, and they're not willing to look at the other side of the argument. That's not how science works. With science, with open science, you discuss the pros and cons, you have a debate, and then you make a decision. There's no debate in Australia. Now, people say, well, you're the outlier. In fact, not really. I'm, I make more noise than most people. Just recently, we prepared a letter to the Health Minister, an eight-page or oh, 20-page letter, signed by 44 Australian experts, saying to the Health Minister, look, you're on the wrong track here. This is, this is not working. Um, clearly, this is the wrong approach, and this is why. And these are the arguments that you've said that justify your policy. These are the arguments against that. Now, we haven't heard back from that. But I guess the point is that these were 44 eminent uh, leading Australian and New Zealand tobacco experts who agreed with me. Now, they're not generally vocal and verbal, so in a way I feel like I'm a bit of a spokesman, uh, which means I cop all the flack, uh, and occasionally I have to organise other people to get that information presented. You know, that charge that uh, every time you speak you're getting paid by big tobacco, um, is there malevolence involved in that accusation? Look, I think the people who are opposed to vaping have locked themselves into a position. I think it's a threat to them vaping. I think it's a threat to their income, their research funding, uh, their prestige. Uh, this is the way they've decided to do it and they know best. And so I'm often described as that pesky general practitioner who clearly knows nothing. And look, in a way that motivates me even more, but I think they see it as a threat and uh, I think they're impervious now to the evidence. They've locked themselves into that position. And, and I think, you know, we need to keep hammering them about it. So then does vaping threaten a tobacco control industrial complex? Very much so. I think, I think you know, tobacco control has a traditional way of doing things. They're the experts. They've always said, we're going to do it this way. People need to quit. Um, and we're very important because we've got, had very good success with tobacco control. And now they've come up with something that we didn't think of. And this is a threat to our prestige. This is not what they say, of course, but I think that's behind a lot of the opposition because it otherwise doesn't make any sense. If you're an expert tobacco in tobacco control, you would have looked very carefully at the evidence. You would allow it to be debated. We're not allowed to debate vaping in Australia. In fact, Tobacco control shuts down vaping. They shut down vaping. So they'll ring conferences and say, you've got that Colin Mendelson speaking at your conference. Well, you know, he's, he's a tobacco company shill, or he's, he's an activist, and you, know, you, you need to cancel that. And we've, I've been canceled from speaking at uh, one major teaching hospital in uh, Sydney, asked me to speak at their grand rounds. And the particular professor of medicine wrote to them and said, you can't have him speak, um, and it was cancelled. And, and what I was hoping to do was present the evidence. And I said, well, look, I'm happy to present my side of the story. Perhaps he could present his. And they said, well, no, we've decided, look, it's a very contentious issue at the moment, and the kids are vaping, and, but it was clearly shutting down debate. That's astonishing. I know, I know. It happens all the time. And getting something published in the Australian medical media is even more astonishing. We recently wrote a letter to the Medical Journal of Australia which, for which we had to do eight revisions 
until it said something closer to what they wanted. The Australian and New Zealand Journal of Public Health, I sent them a, uh, an article in response to something they'd published. They refused to even send it for peer review. I had to get 21 Australian experts to sign the letter saying, look, you can't do that. You've got to consider this. And then they immediately said, oh, okay, we'll publish it. Clearly they didn't want to. Three months after it was published, they said, oh, look, we're going to retract your article now. Retract the article. And that was because someone had written to them uh, regarding a spurious conflict of interest uh, claim, which allegedly hadn't been declared. Now, it wasn't. It wasn't a genuine claim. So I wrote to them with all the evidence saying, this has nothing to do, there was no conflict of interest. But they still said, well, we're going to retract it anyway. So I had to engage a lawyer to write to them and say, well, this is unacceptable. You can't do that. These are the guidelines. And in the end, they kind of backed off. And they didn't close the case, but they said, well, we'll, we'll leave it for the moment. So that's what we're up against in Australia, even in academic circles. And again, as a scientist, I find that very disappointing. Well, what does it say about science if that, I mean, it, obviously, clearly, the scientific method is not applying here. It's not. It's not. I think it comes down to an agenda that's driven by politics, ideology, vested interests, fear of new technology, uh, you know, finances, tobacco taxes, all sorts of other factors that are behind this. And I think there's a group think where all the organisations have made a position. It's very hard for anyone to step out of line and say, well, well maybe we were wrong because that creates all sorts of problems. So they're holding their line in spite of the evidence, but they can only hold it for so long, I think. So this concept that I grew up with, which was a marketplace of ideas, yeah. that doesn't exist. It doesn't in this area, which is amazing to me. There was a, um, and a homeopathy isn't widely accepted, but the NHMRC uh, did a report on homeopathy. And like the report they did on vaping, it was scientifically flawed, misinformed, and clearly biased. It's gone to our ombudsman who takes, takes uh, issues like that and an analyzes them. It's been now held off for about five years because even the NHMRC is, is being questioned because when it has an agenda, it is, appears not always to be totally science-based. And that's, that's very disappointing because that's our peak scientific body. Do you think that some of this is all stemming from uh, the WHO's position on this topic and Article 5.3 yes, yes. and so forth? Look, Brett, would you believe that the environmental issue is a big issue with vaping? Now, we have kids using disposables, throwing them everywhere, and that's, that's, that's a concern. Several of us wrote a discussion paper on how to address this in Australia. We approached the Department of, of in the Environment to say, we've got this discussion paper, how we can resolve this problem. You're all worried about um, uh, recycling and uh, the environment and, and, and there are programs to deal with this, but for vaping there's nothing. And they said, well, we can't talk to you. And we said, excuse me? Uh, you, you're involved with the e-cigarette industry. Yes, when we were involved, we had one of the members of our committee was a manufacturer. We needed to talk to manufacturers, talk to vapors, we talked to all um, stakeholders. We said, oh, okay then, well, how about you talk to me and Alex Wodak, who's an independent physician? 
They said, well, no, this breaches the FCTC. Um, why is that? Because we're talking about e-cigarettes. And we said, well, that's nothing to do with the FTCT. And they said, well, that's the position that we have. And of course, we could have gone public about that, and we could have taken it, written letters, and, but we knew that would get us nowhere. But th that's the stupidity that we're facing. I mean, refusing to talk about recycling because uh, this was about e-cigarettes which were linked to tobacco somehow in their disturbed minds, and yet um, it was a major, a major issue. In a way, it's as if they want to have an environmental problem because then they can uh, campaign better against it. Well, it's been a pretty fortuitous issue uh, to, you know, gin up some hysteria around vaping in areas where things were starting to cool off. Look, the UK, they, the, the environmental issue actually really energized yes. the argument in the UK. Yes, it has. And look, they're finding solutions. And in Australia, we, we realised we had to find the solution. It was better if we did it. And we worked out a model run by the government, oversized and with the manufacturers involved and paying for it and the retailers involved and we thought we had a quite a good model but we needed some government uh, support and they refused to talk to us about it. So that's how irrational this has become. So of course coming up later this year the WHO's uh, framework convention on yes. tobacco control is hosting COP10, the yes. conference of the parties and they're very much going to be discussing e-cigarettes mm. at this event. Um, what is your message to them? If you could speak to the delegates, what would you say? Yeah, I don't think it would make any difference. Uh, you know, I think they've made up their minds and, you know, they're the World Health Organization. They get too much money from we all know who. And um, I'm not sure that the evidence really is what is going to make their mind up. Um, in Australia, of course, they have less influence, although they're often quoted. So the NHMRC and various government organisations in their reports that say, oh, well, the World Health Organisation says this. But it's a big problem for low and middle income countries, and much more than it is in Australia. But clearly they're on a rogue path, uh, and it's very disappointing. And I think they've lost a lot of confidence from people in public health because of that. So Australia uh, definitely are pick and choosers. Yes, exactly. Exactly. We, we'll accept overseas evidence if it agrees with what we've already decided. And so in some situations we'll say, well, we're doing this because, well, the World Health Organization and the American government have said we should do it. It's the right thing to do. But when other countries are doing things we don't want to do, we say, well, well what would they know? We, we do what's best for Australia. So it's, it is very much pick and choose. So Australia appears to be not the most friendliest, warmest place, you know, to have these conversations. And then you come to Warsaw for global form of yes. nicotine. What's the difference like? Oh, it's like coming home. In Australia, you know, the man in the street thinks, well, vaping is much more dangerous than smoking. Why would you smoke? Here people just, they know what you're talking about. You, know, you give them the evidence and say, yeah, of course, obviously. Um, it's just wonderful to see that people get it. And it's very invigorating to get that support. It charges you up to go back and, and talk about this at home. So it is discouraging to repeatedly get those negative messages, to see those negative headlines in the media, um, to read the press releases from the Cancer Council and the AMA, which are such nonsense and so misleading, to see the misleading education campaigns, which put out so much misinformation, but to come here and see 
people talk about things, talk about the research, to understand that uh, the public health benefit, uh, it's, it's really refreshing. You know, it's a strange question because of course it's validating, but, and you, you know, you're one of the leaders, I would say, of course, in, in this whole campaign, but yet still, boy, just physically being around other people that think the same yeah. way, uh, it's, do you think it's groupthink here? Or are we, we're just on the <laughs> other side of groupthink? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, and I think it's very, it's very important for all of us to question our own thinking. And, and when I read a, a clinical paper, I try and look at it from both sides. Uh, it's very easy to look for the things that support what you think, but I, I do try and look for the counter-argument. Um, so uh, there's always a risk of that. None of us are perfect. At, we tend to look for information that confirms our beliefs, for sure. Do you think in some manner tobacco controls got their you know, nose out of joint because they got a problem with capitalism? They've got a problem yes. with the market? Yes, I, I think the free market doesn't fit with their worldview. I think, yeah, I, I think they don't like to see people making money. Uh, there are certain tobacco control experts in Australia who feel that people should just quit cold turkey and none of these treatments should be used. And I think they have the ear of the government. Uh, so that would include vaping. So I think there's definitely an issue with people making money. And I think it's partly driven by the tobacco companies that have made a lot of money and have forced the issue, uh, often dishonestly. But we've got to be able to move away from that just because they've done that in the past. And yes, there's been the light uh, and the filter campaigns which were misleading and we got, we got sucked in by that. It doesn't mean that anything to do with making a product that makes money isn't good, isn't good for public health. In the past, um, there was a thing about authoritarian governments is they don't like to have their citizens enjoy simple pleasures. Yes. You know, if you can steal away a, a, a pleasure that's just your own, yes. somehow that goes against the state. Yes. yes. Is some of that wrapped up in this? I, I think there is, it is in some people, and there's a quote going around, and I can't remember how, exactly how it goes, but the quote is that the particular person who I won't mention secretly fears that somebody somewhere is having a good time. And, and I, think, I think one of the problems with vaping is that people enjoy it. It does create pleasure. And somehow the tobacco control gurus don't believe that they should be allowed to enjoy it. They should just stop it because it causes harm. And I think we don't bring up pleasure when we discuss the issue, but it should be allowed to be, it is part of the debate and should be, people should be allowed to enjoy themselves, even if it involves a small measured risk that they're prepared to take. And we do that all the time in society. Well, I'm just hoping that the rest of the world wakes up to this because they're coming for your beer and wine yes. next. Yes, exactly, exactly. So vaping today, how can they justify allowing people to do these other things that we know are harmful? With vaping, we're really not particularly concerned. We know, yeah, alcohol uh, is dangerous and some of the other things people do. Driving cars, I mean, for goodness sake, where do you stop? You know, when I, um, 
went through, you know, a time of quitting smoking, moving to vaping, then kind of going back to smoking for a little short period of time and then back to vaping. And there was a time there not that long ago, you know, in the, you know, 2012, 2013, where I looked at a pack of cigarettes needing, wanting to know what the tar was and wanting to know what the nicotine levels were and stuff. And I was flabbergasted to not find that information mm. on any pack mm. of tobacco mm. in Canada. And I'm like, I, I spent year, I spent 25 years smoking mm. and had information on the packs yeah. and could make choices. And then for some reason in the 2010s or something like yeah. that, Health Canada decided, no, we're not gonna provide yeah. that information anymore. That's interesting. And it's because they found that people compensated. So you might, have a, um, a low nicotine cigarette, but you might smoke more heavily. So it's, it's like with vaping. The amount of nicotine you get depends on not just the concentration in the liquid, but the device and the way you use it. So they decided, they felt that low tar, low nicotine cigarettes gave people false confidence and false reassurance. But what's interesting is that in vaping products, there's this requirement increasingly to have all the ingredients listed on the product. But there's never any requirement to have all the li ingredients listed on the, on the cigarettes. I mean, they should have an insert in the pack with 7,000 ingredients. Of course, what really counts is the relative risk. Okay, there's 100 ingredients in a cigarette, in a, uh, an e-cigarette vapor, mostly at minimal levels, but there are 7,000 chemicals at high doses in a cigarette. People need to know about that. People need to be informed to make logical decisions. And they just don't want to let that happen. They don't want that to happen. They just want to keep those deadly e-cigarettes out of reach.